0: Hear the word of the Lord from Luke 2. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to all people on whom his favor rests." Amen. I am blessed by our God to go to Israel every couple of years and to take several of you with me. And our guide, Anton Farras, says our trips, the ones that we take, we see more and we do more on that trip than any American tour group that he knows of. And we do a lot. We we go to Caesarea Philippi where Peter first confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. We walk around the ancient ruins at Beth Shean. We visit the ancient synagogue at Capernaum. And it seems like every trip, one of us comes really close to causing at least one international incident. We wade through the wet and dark and narrow tunnels, Hezekiah's tunnels, 2,700 year old irrigation tunnels underneath the city of Jerusalem. We climb up to the caves and the waterfalls of En Gedi in the Judean desert. We do dress differently when we go to the Muslim mosque at the cave of Machpelah where Abraham and Sarah are buried. We dress exactly the way he tells us to dress. We ride camels together when we're in Israel. I remember these camels were particularly jealous because Dale has more hair on his body than they do. And we eat a lot of shawarma, a lot of shawarma. Look at Kyle McGraw there in the corner. You see, Kyle, that's a man who's dying for some Chick-fil-A sauce, don't you think? I remember Kyle about two-thirds of the way through the trip. He said, Alan, I know you told us we'd eat sandwiches every day for lunch, but I didn't know it was going to be the exact same sandwich every single day. But I love going to Israel where we get to sail on the Sea of Galilee and we get to pray together in the Garden of Gethsemane and we get to take pictures together in Jericho and we get to go to Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the town of David. It's about six miles south of Jerusalem and it is the birthplace of the promised Messiah. This is where Jesus was born. Today, the main street is packed with souvenir shops and restaurants and tourist attractions. It seems like in Bethlehem, everybody is selling something. You see that on the right, the Stars and Bucks Cafe. You see that? (laughs) Stars and Bucks. Like a lot of other countries, Israel does its best to make things feel American and and look American, but it's just, it's not quite right. Uh, Instead of KFC in Israel, it's AFC, Arab fried chicken. And that is probably not original recipe. It's not American Idol on TV in Israel, it's Arab Idol. Now they do have a lot of McDonald's in Israel. The thing is, they're all kosher which means you can't get a quarter pounder with cheese because you can't have meat and cheese in the same dish, which means there's also no Mexican food in Israel, none. But once or twice during the trip, we will find a Dr. Pepper. And that stops everything down. It doesn't matter what we're doing, where we are, what we're in the middle of, everything stops whenever anybody spots a Dr. Pepper. And I'm always overcome with joy. Our youngest daughter, Carly, you can see, she got emotional about the Dr. Pepper. But it's just comforting to know, and it gives me more faith in our Lord that in a land flowing with milk and honey, if you apply yourself, you can find Dr. Pepper. So back to Bethlehem, okay? This is the Church of the Nativity. The first church on this site was built in the early part of the 4th century. It was dedicated May 31 in the year 339 AD. The church was built on top of a cave where the earliest Christian tradition says Jesus was born. There are a couple of places inside this church building where you can look down through the grates. Through the floor, you can actually see the cave. You can see these steps that are more than 1,600 years old that lead down to that cave. Now, the Bible doesn't mention a cave, but an early 2nd century Christian writing by Justin speaks of the cave where Jesus was born. Lots of houses in Bethlehem are still today built on top of or in front of caves. And this does fit with the history and the culture of biblical Israel. The cave part of a house or an inn would be used for stabling animals and keeping livestock and just used for general storage. And so if there's no room in the house, if there's no room in the inn, well, how about out back with the sheep and the cows? First century pottery fragments and second century masonry pieces found here show that this cave was used as a livestock stable during the first century. Cyril of Jerusalem, writing in the fourth century, identified this cave, which was in a wooded part of Bethlehem at the time, as the birthplace of Jesus. Jerome, near the end of the 4th century, wrote that Christians were worshiping here at this cave going back to the time of Emperor Hadrian in 135 A.D. According to Eutychius of Alexandria in the middle of the 8th century after the Samaritan uprising in 529, he writes, the emperor Justinian ordered his envoy to pull down the church of Bethlehem, which was a small one, and to build it again of such splendor and size and beauty that none even in the holy city should surpass it. That's the building that is still here to this day. It's over 1,500 years old. And you walk into this ancient church building on top of the place where Jesus was born. And in a few places, you can see some of the mosaic tiled floor from the original church built in 339. This mosaic right here, it's almost 1,700 years old. And the detail is just extraordinary, it's beautiful and you walk through the basilica of this magnificent cathedral, past the giant marble pillars, underneath the spectacular cedar rafters and the gaudy lanterns, among all the shrines and altars and gold and candles, and you come to these steps. And you walk down these seven or eight steps into a sacred space just above the actual first century cave. So you're under the church, but you're above the cave. And you can put your hand inside this hole in the marble floor, and you can actually touch the rock of that first century cave where the earliest Christian tradition affirms this is where Jesus was born. And I want to just sit in that sacred space and just worship and pray and cry. I want to bask in the love and the the grace of my God who became flesh and blood for me. And I want the glory and the, the marvel of this place and this moment to just wash over me. But I can't because of all the people The people ruin it. People are the worst. You know, Bethlehem is always the most crowded site on any tour of the Holy Lands. And and here at this church, you've got lots and lots of people just crowding into the building and they walk with these tiny little baby steps, shoulder to shoulder, like for 30 or 45 minutes around and among miles and miles of velvet rope, just trying to get to these narrow steps and people are pushing and they're shoving and they're trying to work their way to the front of the line and you've got security guards and police officers and sometimes they have to shout just to maintain the order and everybody's got a camera. Lots and lots of cameras and it just ruins it. 900 year old paintings and 45 year old men with selfie sticks in the same room. Nutra grain wrappers and plastic water bottles on the floor littering the 1,400-year-old altar. Some of the guards taking bribes from some of the more seasoned guides like ours to cut the line. The people in the lines who are being cut, speaking out loud in their various foreign languages and none of it sounding super nice. Americans, Russians, Africans, Germans, Chinese, lots of people, lots of different languages, lots of different races, people from every country on this planet crowding and pushing, and not many of them on their best behavior, trying to get close to this sacred site where God became flesh. And it doesn't feel holy, it doesn't feel divine, it doesn't feel sacred, it feels messy and rude do not be afraid i bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people today in the town of david a savior has been born to you he is christ the lord what happened here in bethlehem a little over 2000 years ago it is all about god it is divine It is holy, it is sacred, it is from heaven. The Bible tells us that the skies explode with this heavenly chorus, this this army of angels singing songs of eternal praise never before heard by mortals. A bright star decorates the sky above the baby's cradle. God himself is arriving on earth in majesty and divine splendor. This is a salvation that comes to us from beyond this world. But this is also very much about the world. This is very, very human. You know, Mary was a poor Jewish girl. Joseph was a poor Jewish home builder. There's no room at the inn. I'm not sure they could have paid for one had they found a room at the inn. So they're in this cave slash barn sleeping in the hay with the sheep and the cows and all the sounds and the smells that the sheep and the cows produce. And this baby is unmistakably flesh and blood, tiny, weak, vulnerable, crying. The shepherds are here, these these blue collar common guys, ordinary guys, just everyday people. This is holy God and lowly human together. That's what happened here. Angels from heaven greeting the average Joe Shepherd out in the fields. The singing of the angels mixing with the bleeding of the sheep. The exotic aromas of incense and myrrh together with the stink of the livestock and the hay. What happened here is about undeniable glory and also indisputable coarseness. As God becomes human, as he takes on our flesh to become one of us, he embraces all of humanity like never before. God saves us by joining us. God saves us by becoming one of us, by becoming our sin, by becoming the very worst of who we are to save us. This is good news of great joy for all people. This is our bedrock Christian belief that God so loves the world, he became a part of it. God Almighty put on our skin and bones and he came into this world that he created to bless all people and to redeem all people. The incarnation is a confirmation of people. This says something profound about how God feels about people. People are sacred. Human life is valuable to God. You are sacred. Your life is valuable to God. God came to us in the infant Jesus Christ because he loves us so much. He loves you so much. Don't ever lose what a remarkable and powerful thing this is that God chose to come into this world the exact same way you came into this world through the pain and the blood of human birth. God was born, God was a baby. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Emmanuel means God with us. And it's not just a beautiful idea. It's not just an abstract theological truth. It really happened right here in Bethlehem. It's history. It happened at a particular time in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So when we're talking about God coming to us in the baby Jesus, we're not talking about just a warm feeling of God's presence in our hearts. We're not just talking about some abstract theological truth. When we're talking about God in Christ, we're talking about geography. This is Bethlehem in Palestine, right? We're talking about politics. A census was being taken. Taxes were being paid. An oppressed people. We're talking about revolution. We're talking about economics. His parents were poor. He was born in a barn. His family became refugees. It really happened right here in Bethlehem. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. One thing the Gospels make clear, the birth of Jesus is good news of great joy for all people. The young and the old, the rich and the poor, male and female, The local blue collar shepherds and the professional scholars from far away, Jews and Gentiles, they're all here together in this holy scene. God becomes human. God with us. That means God with all of us. And it's through this Christ, this King. This light, this true light, the Bible says, who gives light and life to all people, it's through Jesus that God destroys the power of sin and death. God, in our skin and blood, he comes to this earth and he physically walks our streets and he physically touches our people and he hugs our children and he goes to funerals and weddings with us and he eats with us and he laughs and he cries with us and he loves us. And he brings with him the eternal kingdom of God, this kingdom of everlasting peace of which there will be no end. Jesus is born in this town of David and hurting people are comforted. Distressed people are encouraged. Hopeless people are given hope. Prisoners are released. The captives are set free. The outcasts are brought in. Cold people are made to be warm. Hungry people are fed. Sick people are healed. Sinful people are forgiven. And the devil's grip on God's people is broken forever. Sin and death and Satan and all the things that steal our joy and our peace are eternally destroyed. The weak are given power and the tired are made to soar on wings like eagles. Church, that's our king. That is our Jesus. And that's why people still come by the thousands and the millions to this holy site in Bethlehem every day. And they bring their different languages and their different attitudes and their different smells and their different personalities and their different worldviews and their different sins. They bring all of themselves to Bethlehem to pray and to worship, and to sing, and to cry. And it reminds me that our Lord's coming on that starlit night in Bethlehem really was for me. And it really was for all people. And church, it still is. The truth of the story still draws all people. The beauty and the glory of what happened here, it still captures all people. All of us could use a little hope right now. Can I get an amen on that? We could all use a little hope. More than that, we could all use a little reminder to stop wringing our hands long enough to receive that hope, to hear it again, to see it all over again. The truth that, that in the middle of the crisis, in the middle of the stress, in the middle of the the conflict and the violence and the tension, in the middle of whatever crisis is happening right now in the world, in the middle of whatever is your crisis at your moment right now, in the middle of all of it, whatever it is, you see it and you understand it through the lens of the greatest crisis in human history, the crisis of sin and death. That's the deal. And it's already been resolved. All of sin and death, all the effects that sin and death has had on the world, everything it's done to you, it's been settled and saved by the miraculous birth, by the remarkable life, by the holy death, and by the glorious resurrection of the child, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Stand with me, church. One more time. Hear the word of the Lord today from Luke chapter 2. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Jesus Christ, the Lord. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to all people on whom his favor rests. Amen.